Welcome to Redemption's podcast. This is Corey Ball, lead pastor at Redemption Community Church, found in Kirkwood, Missouri, in the greater St. Louis area. Before we dive into the content, I want to invite you to follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook to stay current on all things Redemption. You'll find both of these accounts by searching Redemption STL. But more than anything, we hope that this podcast will help inspire and challenge you to take your next steps in following Jesus. If you have any questions about God, Christianity, or redemption, don't hesitate to reach out. You can DM us on our socials or text us at 314-391-4141. And now, without further ado, here is the content you are looking for. Enjoy. Okay, well, we are uh, in this series, uh, Who's Who Christmas, and we're looking today at uh, this lovable couple I love so much. But before we get there, someone sent me this article uh, last week or two weeks ago. A cruise to nowhere returns to somewhere after passenger test positive for COVID-19. So I was like, oh, I'm intrigued by this. I started reading the article. And, uh, and, and basically, this is what's happening in our culture right now. We're having flights to nowhere, and we're having cruises to nowhere. Yes, you heard that right. People are literally paying thousands of dollars to board a flight or to board a cruise. They, this is even crazier. They bring luggage with them, okay? And the flight leaves the gate and it goes and it does a big loop and it comes back and it returns to the very same gate that they left. And the cruise takes off from port and it goes through the seas and it comes back and it returns to the very same port that it left just several days later. And then the people, they go through the whole thing, they take their luggage with them, and they just go home. That's all they do, right? And so it's this phenomenon that, that, that's happening right now. Uh, uh, flights to nowhere, cruises to nowhere. Now, we can look at these people, man, what is, what is wrong with people? Like, is their life that awful without the additive of exploration and travel, right? I mean, like, what is their deal? Or... We, we, we might dig a little deeper and think maybe they're onto something. Maybe, just maybe, they understand that they were made for something larger than their living room. Maybe they have this deep desire in their heart to go on an adventure, to live with purpose, to do something other than uh, continually doing the same thing over and over and over again living life in the mundane. We can demonize them, right? And Because uh, it is kind of crazy, let's be honest. It's kind of crazy. But, but, but deep down inside, what if they're searching for something? I think a lot of people, they, they continually look for purpose in their life. They're on this never-ending quest for something, for something different, for some purpose. And what happens is, I mean, you know, you, you, you have... You have friends that go through this. They, 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 they trade jobs in, you know, like they trade pants in every day, right? Uh, they, they uh, you know, are, are, are always uh, trading in relationships. You know, maybe they're, they're divorcing and remarrying for several times, but maybe they're just dating and dating and dating, serial daters. You know, maybe they've lost their business and they're going on to other businesses. Maybe, uh, you know, they, they, they've, they've picked up a hobby and then they've moved on to several other hobbies, Whatever it is, what happens is we, we often change things in our life, and, and we continually change things, but I think what, what's happening is that internally we're waiting for purpose. Like we're looking for something. And I, I think that uh, this couple today that we're going to be looking at, um, they, they were, were looking for purpose at some point in their life. I think like everybody else, 
before they were actually married. I think they were looking for purpose. And, uh, and, and so they, they, they probably picked up hobbies. They traded in jobs. Maybe they traveled over to the, to the, uh, you know, the village, the, 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 the neighboring village, and then they came back. But they did all these things searching for something until one day purpose literally smacked them between the eyes, revealed themselves so clearly. Um, I love these two quotes because I think it gets to the heart of what I'm talking about here. This is from St. Augustine. He says, my heart is restless until it finds rest in thee. Man, that is so good. If, if, if you are a Christ follower, then, then, then you have probably experienced that. Before I followed Christ, like my heart was restless. I didn't know what it was looking for. It didn't know what it was looking for, but it was searching and searching, and it wandered to and fro, restless, until it finally found rest in God, right, from St. Augustine. Uh, one of my favorite quotes from Nelson Mandela, he says, there is no passion to be found playing small in settling for a life that is less than the one you are capable of living. Now, this may seem like grandiose and, and, and non-Christian and just unholy, but, but listen, I, I just, I, I hate how we often um, over-spiritualize homebodies, right? We're like, man, it's just, it's a really holy thing to just stay at home and knit, make homemade pasta for our neighbors while we're surrounded by a posse of cats, you know? Because uh, I don't go out to the clubs or do anything like that. And, uh, and, and listen, I'm not saying go to the clubs, but what I am saying is, uh, at the end of the day, we often over-spiritualize certain styles of living. And I believe this, I believe that if, if we're truly following Jesus, now, it's different in a pandemic, but when we're truly following Jesus, we're going to be living life outside of our living room, right? We're going to be living life out in the community with people, with our neighbors, loving the people that don't also live with us. And, uh, and so, uh, this quote, there's no passion to be found in playing small and settling for a life that is less than one that's capable of living. And one other quote, this is uh, often attributed to Mark Twain, though, uh, hate to burst your bubble. I know we're in like Mark Twain's state, but, but uh, actually there's no evidence that Mark Twain said this. In fact, the earliest recollection uh, or the earliest, um, you know, uh, evidence shows that it's from this guy, Ernest T. Campbell, but he said, two most important days in your life, the day that you were born and the day that you discover why. And I think for this couple that we're looking at today is obviously Mary and Joseph. I think they lived their life waiting for their purpose. And the purpose giver, God, revealed that purpose to them, and they realized, they discovered, they learned why they were born. And, uh, and, and the rest, as they say, is history, but we're going to look at what happens before, before history, okay? So let's dive in here. Um, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 1. Uh, that's what we've been in the last couple of weeks. We're going to go straight to Matthew chapter 1. Um, but before we do get into that, before we go there, I just want to correct two quick things that we often, often in our culture, we've talked about this in the last couple of weeks, but often what happens is, is, is when it comes down to the story of Jesus' birth, we get things really convoluted and, and you know, really we get them kind of conflated with everything that is, is given to us in media and stuff like that um, and, you know, books and, and Christmas movies and things. Um, so one of the things that we, you know, often get confused is we picture Mary as like a 30-some-year-old woman who was this prominent lady who had like awesome, beautiful clothes on and, uh, you know, she wasn't sweating and she's like, you know, walking on her journey and all this stuff. Um, and nothing could be further from the truth. She was, she was actually a child. She was 12 to 14 years old. And so we're looking at a teenage girl 
you know, a teenage girl who is pregnant with a child, a child who is pregnant with a child. And, um, and, and the other thing is this, that uh, Jesus wasn't born in, in December. Most likely he was born in September. Um, if, you, if you were in Casey's class this past week, she kind of dabbled on that a little bit. Um, but, uh, but yeah, most likely because of, the, because of the people that were in power and things like that, we know that most likely she was, or most likely he, uh, Jesus was born in September. And um, what we know is that in the Middle East at this time around Jerusalem, um, in September it's 80 plus degrees. And so this woman who's nine months pregnant is on this journey with swollen feet, right, and uh, sweating like crazy, walking through the desert. There's nothing beautiful about this. And in, in so many ways, it was a serious struggle. And uh, in, in, anyway, Mary, so she's, uh, she, she's wandering through the desert, you know, going to, going to Bethlehem to, uh, to, 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 to take part in the census. And this is kind of where we, where we pick up a little bit in this story just before that. Matthew chapter 1, uh, we're going to start in verse 18. It says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through, through the prophet, or through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph spoke up, or, or sorry, when Joseph woke up, uh, he, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. He did not have sexual relations with her until uh, her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Okay, every year, churches will often talk about the ridicule that Mary and Joseph received. The, 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 the terrible treatment that they received because of this situation. Okay, like, let's look into this situation. The situation is that, that there's, this, there's this woman, this, this child, right, this, this teenage girl, 13, and, and to, to everybody else's understanding, she is having a baby with someone else who is not her fiancé, right? Like, this is like front page of the tabloids in our culture, you know? And, uh, and, and so, so at the end of the day, churches talk about the ridicule that Mary received, and they're right. They're, they're right in this. She, she would have received so much ridicule. When I was growing up, there was, there was a, um, a girl in our youth group. She was 16 years old, and, uh, and she became pregnant. And, and I remember the treatment that she received from our church and from people in our community. Uh, I, I just remember, like, a, there were a lot of rumors and a lot of glances and um, just a lot of murmurs, you know, when she kind of walked through. And it was, it was really hard to see that. And, um, you know, this, this girl that I grew up with, uh, you know, she had all those things, but, but Mary did as well. Like, Mary had the murmurs and the glances and the rumors. But, but more than that, Mary, this is crazy, she lived every day in fear for her life. Because remember, if you don't know this, in that culture, 
When this happened, when all of a sudden, you know, it, it, couldn't, be, it couldn't be proven that, that, that Mary and Joseph were having this baby. Instead, Mary was claiming that it was with someone else. We'll get to that in a second, right? A scandalous thing. The moment that happened, the, 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 the culture labeled her this promiscuous woman. And what that meant is that at any point, they could have stoned her. At any point, they could have taken her life. And so Mary, she's, she's walking through her life. <clears throat> she's living her life uh, in large part, uh, you know, getting all the ridicule, but also she's living in fear. If at, if at any point a self-righteous mob just rises up and decides that today is the day that we take care of her and we make an example of her, that her life could be taken from her. And so this woman who, this, this again, woman, child, who's already terrified. She's entering into life uh, or, or, or entering into this stage of life not knowing what's going to happen. She, she now is living in fear of her life. Now, we, we actually don't have record that, uh, that uh, you know, the Old Testament stoning process actually took place. We don't have records of, of those things. Um, but we do know that, that a lot of that was, was a possibility. And so Mary lived in that fear. And so... Um, the crazy thing is that Mary, she was labeled with the scarlet letter of A for adulteress, right? But Joseph, he had the scarlet letter of F on his chest for fool. Because see, as Mary kind of gives this story and says, hey, listen, Joseph, Joseph and I, you know, like we're going we're gonna to get married, but here's the deal, like this is God's child. Remember, like the, the angel went to Mary and Joseph, but the angel didn't go to mailman Bob. And the angel didn't go to, to Aunt Sally, right? And so all these people, even in their family, are going, oh, I don't know about all this, right? Like, this is crazy. I mean, some of them, yes, you know, Elizabeth, Zechariah, like, you know, they, they had a similar experience with an angel. But, but, but there's going to be extended family going, wait a minute, like, I don't really know if this checks out. I mean, think about this. If there was a 13-year-old girl in your life and by the way, a very poor family in poverty. You know, if, if this 13-year-old girl that you knew who was in a trailer parked on the road went on the news, was interviewed, and was like, yeah, actually, I'm having God's child, you would immediately chalk them up as crazy. You wouldn't believe that girl. Nobody believed Mary. You wouldn't believe that girl. And, uh, you know, like, that, that's something that's so crazy and it's just so wild, it probably wouldn't even make the tabloids. It would just be passed over, right? And so Mary is, is dealing with this ridicule. People have opinions about her. I mean, they have rumors about her. Again, I don't, I don't know if you've seen uh, VeggieTales, the rumor weed uh, you know, episode, but, but it's like that. And even if you haven't, you know this, that people talk. And when, when people don't know the facts, when they actually don't know the story, they end up filling the holes with, with fantasies and false accusations. And so Mary is, is, is just covered in these. She's, she's, she's facing the, the, you know, this opinion mountain that she just can't drive around, she can't cross. She's faced with it every single day. Mary and Joseph, though, they had a purpose before anyone else had an opinion. Mary and Joseph had a purpose before anyone had an opinion. And believe me, like I said, the opinions came, but they had a purpose, and God was giving them that purpose. So God revealed that purpose to them through the angel, his messenger. And you, you also have a purpose. 
If you're here tonight, if you're listening online, you have a purpose. Now, I don't know what your life is like. I don't know if, if, if you've lived life on the straight and narrow like Mary and Joseph. Scripture talks about them as, as if they're righteous, upstanding people. Uh, Casey said this in her class. I, I agree with her. I believe this, that, that God chose them specifically knowing that there were men and women. There, it, was, it was two teenage kids, but men and women of integrity, right? They had integrity. They were righteous. God chose them specifically. Now, I don't know if, if your life is like that, that you have integrity, and yet still, still people have opinions about you that are wrong. People have opinions about you and murmurs and rumors about you that are wrong. They're, they're, they're misaligned with who you are. I don't know if that's who you are. Or maybe, maybe you, you have made mistakes. Maybe you have committed sins. Maybe your life isn't fully polished. It's somewhat tarnished. And, and you're not exactly like Mary and Joseph. The, the fact is you actually have really screwed up. And you're living in the shadow of everyone's rumors. You're living in the shadow of all the murmurs and the glances. I don't know what your life is like, but I do know this, that at the end of the day, you had a purpose before anyone had an opinion. And the purpose giver is the only one that can reveal that purpose to you. And Mary, she's going about her day, she's living life the way that she knows to live it, with integrity, and, and before she knows it, she's face-to-face with an angel. He's revealing her purpose to her, right? And, uh, and Joseph, same thing, living his life with righteousness and integrity. And, and, he, and he's getting ready to do the best thing that he knows to do. But before he does, the angel confronts him, right, and gives him, reveals to him his purpose. Now, I, I don't think that you're going to have that experience. Maybe you will. It would be awesome if you did. Um, But I do know this, that the only one that can give you purpose in life, the only one that can reveal the purpose that you have on your life is the purpose giver, is God. So what is your purpose? Um, There's a book that I read back in, uh, it was like eighth grade. It was a while ago. It came out in, uh, I think in the 80s or so, um, but uh, late 80s, early 90s. Anyway, it was a book called The Giver. Um, If you've ever read the book or, or watched the movie, raise your hand. All right, okay, okay, half, all right, okay. So the movie, uh, it, it, listen, if you just want a quick look into what it is, watch the movie. Um, it's all right, it, it, um, it got a 6.5 for a reason, but the book is really, really, really good. So anyway, in this book, The Giver, there's, uh, there's this community, it's literally called The Community, and in the community, there are these, these elders or leaders, they're really called The Elders, and The Elders in this community what they've done is they've decided to create a world, create a community that is void of pain. So what they do is they work really hard on, on all this technology that ends up removing memories from people. And it, um, you know, essentially what they do is they remove all these memories, and in that their hope is that they remove pain and fear and suffering and hurt and war and death. They remove all these things. Okay, then... Uh, what they do is they end up putting it on this one guy, and his name is the giver. And so this guy, the giver, um, he retains these memories. He, he, he retains all this knowledge. And, uh, and, and he's kind of like, you know, like the guy, like this omniscient dude, in, in a sense, that everybody looks to for guidance. Well, also in this, in, you know, in this world, uh, they, end up, they end up removing color as well because they want everybody to be the same. They want, they want 
full equality all the way across the board. Well, you know, they, they figured uh, there can't be full equality if there's, you know, difference in color. So they remove all the color. So, um, but what they don't realize is that when they remove pain, fear, suffering, death, and war, they unintentionally remove joy. Because you can't fully experience joy without its evil counterpart of suffering, right? And so what happens is everybody walks around in a less than vibrant world. Everybody is, is walking around in the gray matter, right? Everything is this just, this just mush and just gray. If you've ever seen uh, The Matrix, it's kind of like the food that they eat. It's just this, you know, jalapen, you know, just gross, like whatever. It's gelatinous and nastiness. That's, that's how they live their life. So throughout the, throughout the book, what happens is this 11-year-old boy, Jonas, he gets chosen and the giver, who, who uh, is, is aging at this point, plays by Jeff Bridges in the movie, he has to give all the memories and all the colors and all the things to this new boy, to, to this new giver. And so the very first thing that the giver gives to Jonas is the color red. He touches Jonas, and Jonas sees in his mind, he sees an apple, a red apple. And Jonas, like, pops out of the memory, and he's like, what was that? And the giver goes, that's red. And Jonas is, I mean, his mind is blown, right? He, he's, com he's completely confused, like, what is going on? Okay, so along with these emotions, though, Jonas, he starts to receive these. He receives love and joy, peace, all these different things. Um, and, and then he receives, he, he receives all the colors. He starts to get all of these memories. The, the memories start flooding into Jonas. And, and what, what happens is he walks around, and as he's walking around... Uh, oh, sorry, let me back one, one, uh, uh, one step. Okay, so as he walks around, he's walking around in a community of people. Remember, that everything they see is black and white, but not Jonas, not anymore. See, Jonas now has seen the color red. And, and as the book goes on, they take him through war, like through like World War War or World War II like moments, through Vietnam moments. They, they take him through childbirth experiences. Like all these, all these memories that people would have, Jonas now has these feelings and emotions and life is no longer lived in the black and white. It's no longer lived in the grayscale. It's lived in vibrancy. And Jonas is walking around. He's interacting with people that are just acting like zombies compared to him because they haven't experienced love because they also haven't experienced hurt and pain and suffering. They haven't experienced the color red. They haven't experienced one of his first uh, memories, which is a sleigh ride. They, they know none of this, right? And so Jonas is walking around alive. He's walking around like he's in a different body. And this is what it's like when, when you receive your purpose from God, like when you know that, that this is exactly what God has made you to do and made you to be. You're no longer living in the grayscale. You're living life vibrantly. You see the color red. You feel the hurt of others, the pain of others. You have compassion and, and love and caring for the people, the brokenhearted who need you. They need your generosity. They need your kindness and your compassion. You, you've, you've seen the colors, you've felt the emotions, you know the experiences, and God has you on a mission, and you're going to stop at nothing to, to complete that mission. That's what it's like to live on purpose, right? And you had a purpose before anyone had an opinion. 
And only the purpose giver can reveal that purpose to you. This is true for redemption as well. We are, we are a church on purpose. We're not a church on accident. We are a church on purpose. Here at Redemption, we exist to help the people of Kirkwood and the surrounding areas meet, know, and live for Jesus. And we want to do everything that we can to see that come to fruition. Just uh, last night, I was hanging out with a family and uh, that goes to Redemption now, and uh, we, we were having Dewey's Pizza. And um, uh, Dewey's, man, you know what? I don't know if they're like famous for this or infamous or, you know, in your house, but they're infamous in my house for this. They never fully cut their pizzas. Okay, I don't know if you've had that experience. But anyway, uh, so we always have to end up, you know, like, you know, fully cutting through each slice. And so they were pulling their, you know, their, their uh, pizza out, and they're like, this isn't really cut. And I was like, hey, it's okay. I have a pizza cutter for you. Now, if you don't know this, at Green Tree Fest back in uh, 2019, back when we were, like, allowed to do things in public, uh, we gave out pizza cutters. Um, and, uh, and so anyway, it turns out this family that is now at Redemption saw us at Green Tree, and they came by the booth, and they got a pizza cutter. And they're like, yeah, we have that pizza cutter, which is really funny. And, um, and, and so then later on, you know, because of other other like God-ordained moments, they came to redemption. But here's my point. My point is that, that at redemption, we're, we're not a church that just lives life in the living room, right? Like we believe, we really, truly believe that we were called to live life larger than the living room, that we were called to leave the living room. Uh, maybe one day we take a, you know, a flight to nowhere or, or a cruise to nowhere. Uh, you know, maybe things don't always work out the way they're, they're intended to, but I know this, that it's all with good intention. And the things that are deep inside of us, the reason behind the things that we do at Redemption, the, re- the reason behind the things, you know, uh, the, uh, yeah, the reasons behind all the things that we do are because we believe that we have a purpose. And so um, this, this holiday season, one of the things that we're going to be doing, uh, or the one of the things that we are doing, is um, the uh, Advent Conspiracy. And uh, we're going to talk about it at the, end of, at the end of service. But we want to invite you into these moments, right? We want to invite you to live life on purpose with us as a church that is living life on purpose. Matthew 28, uh, verses 16 through 20. This is the Great Commission. It's what we call it in the church. This is the moment before Jesus, uh, he ascends into heaven. It's right before that. He's already been crucified. He, he resurrected from the grave. He'd been walking around for 40 days. And uh, he's with his disciples now. They're up on a mountain. And uh, it says this in verse 16. It says, Then the eleven disciples, they left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. I still take uh, some some solace in the fact that some doubted. Because I know there are some of you in this room tonight that you, you struggle. Struggle to take Jesus at his word, at his every word. His disciples had that same struggle. And Jesus, he came and he told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is what it's about. This Christmas season, this, this Advent season, when, when we have the opportunity 
to not only worship the baby who came to save the world, but we also get the other opportunity to tell others about that very baby. We believe that you were called to live life outside the living room, that you had a purpose before anybody had an opinion. That same family last night, I was talking to them, the, the husband, he said that, um, that he's from a, from a family that the, the rest of the people, they don't believe in Jesus. And I just, I just, I know this because I have family members that don't believe in Jesus. It gets tense sometimes when you talk about God. And people have opinions about you all of a sudden. That, uh, let's be honest, opinions like that you're weak-minded, you know, and you'd buy into fairy tales and things like that. And uh, I don't know, as you go into the Christmas season, I don't know if you're going to be facing some of that. I don't know if, if you're living a reality at work right now where people have opinions about you, where you have family members, people have opinions about you. But just hear this. Again, you had a purpose before anybody had an opinion. Only the purpose giver can reveal that purpose in you. This holiday season, don't miss that purpose. Open your mouth and tell others about the wonderful grace of Jesus Christ. Worship the baby, right? Worship the baby that came to save the world, but also tell others about that baby because that is our purpose.